being in God's presence, aren't you? It's a joy to see the generations come together. And you know, in our day and time, we live at a very unique time in the history of the world, the history of the church, where there are exactly six generations that are living at this point in time. Uh, just a few years ago, we were talking about four generations being in the church. Uh, a few years ago, we went up to five. Now we get to talk about six generations being in the church. It starts with the eldest generation, that GI generation, sometimes called the greatest generation. Those that were born from 1901 to 1926. A generation that's fading fast, but they're still with us to lend us that solid ground and that great uh, victory that they have given us through their lives. The silence that were born from 1927 to 1945, then following them, the boomers, 46 to 64, a huge group of people that are now coming into their senior adult years, I'm sorry to say boomers. And then uh, <laughs> Generation X, my generation. Why we got to be X, I don't know, but we're, we're holding in there. We're the Xers from 1965 to 1981, followed by us, the Ys or the Millennials. Those were from 1981 to 2000. And then, then the Generation Z, are the boomlets, and that's those born after 2001. And all of those are in our church today, from our eldest senior adults down to the babies in our nursery. And it's an incredible blessing and a wonderful opportunity to have all of those generations in the church at one time. Because, you know, those generations give us some very good things. They give the church a depth of experience. You know... We've been through some things. Our elder generations have been through many different kinds of challenges, many kinds of joys, and the younger generations can look up to the older generations for wisdom and insight. We also, though, get the support that we need. Uh, maybe the younger generations can give the support needed to older generations when they come to a time of struggle and they're needing help, maybe physically or to get something done around their house. And then, of course, I couldn't help but think about the fact that when we have multiple generations in the church, it helps us keep our focus because we realize that there is always another generation coming after us. And we must always be reaching out to that generation to help them know about the things of God. You know, the, the children's generation, the, the Generation Z or the Boomlets, they are actually the largest generation ever. They far outseed the boomer generation, and we know what kind of changes the boomers brought onto the world scene. The, the, the Generation Z boomlets are going to change the world again. And the question is, will we help them change the world for Christ, or will we allow the world to use them to change the world to continued ungodliness? 
Having multiple generations in the church reminds us that we have a challenge and we have something that we must do. We have a purpose. You know, that's why here we are trying to uh, be intentional about multi-generational in our church, and we provide opportunities for that. Today's worship service is one of those times when you hear from the children's choir and the youth and adults are mixed together, and we all get to join together and worship together as we celebrate what God has done. But there's also things like Impact Day coming up on November 3rd where the generations get to worship through their service and ministry to our community, and we intentionally want generations to mix together. Our, our commitment to multi-generational ministry is reflected in uh, the fact that we uh, have a blended worship service and that we don't have children's church. I know sometimes that stresses people out that we don't have children's church, but it's because we think it's important for kids to be with their families to worship and for all the generations to see all the generations worshiping. And we're committed to multi-generational multi worship, and that's a challenge a blended service is a challenge because sometimes the music isn't traditional enough for the older folks and it's not contemporary enough for the younger folks. And I hear both, you know. I've, in just the last week, in fact, I heard someone say, you know, that music's kind of contemporary. And I was telling somebody else about that from another generation. And they said, well, you know, if there was one thing that would keep me from joining the church, it's the music is too traditional. I was like, Wow. People come into the same services seeing different things. But that's why we try to do a blended service so that everybody can be here to be a part of what, what God is doing. That's largely because the music of the church is reflective of the generations within the church. Many of you have been around long enough as I have to see music change with the generations of the church. I mean, the landscape of the church changes every so many years as, as things go on. The message is the same, but the methods change. But probably nothing changes as much as music. And in just my life of 37 years, I've seen church music change at least three distinct times. And it's going to change more in, in the years to come. I don't know what it's going to look like when I'm a 70-year-old retired minister. But it'll be different. I know it will. Because music is a reflection of the generations. I mean, you just uh, think about the changes that have come. Those of you from back in the 1970s, you remember a song that went like this? It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And you sang it with your bell bottoms around a campfire. <laughs> Had a flower in your hair or something, you know. That song passed from the scene, but there's another song from the 70s that has endured in church, because it, and it may be because it's based on Scripture, but it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. They come, they go. The 80s and the 90s with the, the praise song movement was much the same way. Some of those have endured. Many of them have faded, and that's okay. Because we could go back to the 1700s when John and Charles Wesley were writing songs like Oh, Four Thousand Tongues to Sing that we sang earlier this morning, and we could see that they wrote hundreds, if not thousands, of songs and hymns, and yet today we only sing a handful of them. With every generation, some songs endure, some songs fade, but the songs are always reflective of the generation. They resonate with a generation for a moment. Some resonate with generations for many generations, and that's what we're seeing today. 
But we sometimes forget that every old song was once a new song. Every old song was once a new song. And that's because the music comes forth out of people's journeys with God. Think about Psalm, 70, Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, where the psalmist says, I waited for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He's telling his testimony. Now what does he say? He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in God. The songs that we will sing today came out of times when God was moving in somebody's life. Many of them came out of some of the great awakenings. I think all three major great awakenings are represented in the songs in this collection. There are others that, are, that were written out of the life struggles of people as they were going through some situation in life and maybe they were reflecting on the goodness of God or maybe they were reflecting on how God met them in a time of, of serious need. But they were reflecting on that. And we now get to sing these songs continuing that testimony. And so we continue as the generations singing the songs of the generations. You know what's sad in the church today? It's been going on for probably 30 years, maybe more. Um, when we raise up one style over another, we actually discount what God is doing in one of the other generations. You know, when we say, well, it's all about contemporary music, that old stuff is, is no good, then what we're saying is God didn't move in that generation like he did in our generation. Or if we say it's only the old stuff, that's what's good, then we're saying, well, God's not moving in the, this new generation like he did in our generation. But what we want to do is to say, you know what? We serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We don't serve a dead God. We serve an alive God. What God is doing didn't end back 2,000 years ago. It didn't end in the 1700s. It didn't end in the 1800s. It didn't end in the 1900s. It didn't end in 2000 or 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. It is still going on in 2013. God is alive and well. And so when we sing an old song, we're saying this same truth that was written 400 years ago is still a truth alive today. And when we put a new sound to that, that old song, we're saying that song and the message is just as fresh in a new generation as it ever was in an older generation. We come together today to sing the songs of the generations. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. And I want you to seek the Lord with all your heart as we sing and join together as brothers and sisters in Christ who are 96 years old all the way down to actually my son Evan who's four months old is in the church today. That 96 years of faith celebrating worship today. I want you to sing out. I want you to worship. I want you to encounter the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the fairest of 10,000. And Lord, we want to meet with you today. We want to see you move in our midst like you never have before. Take the words of these songs 
that were written across generations and use them to move our generation towards your heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. These next couple of songs we're going to sing, we think of them sometimes as invitation hymns or hymns of commitment. But you know, these are songs that we should think about, read, contemplate, just giving of ourselves every day to the Lord. Take my life, let it be. Fairest Lord Jesus, oh, thou of God, the man and man, the son, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor. These are songs to the Lord, just declaring our commitment to him.
Aren't you glad for the love of Jesus? Man, let's stand together. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Again, 
eternal life. We thank you for the air we breathe. We thank you for everything you supply for us. We thank you for being our God and our Savior. We thank you for this time when we can come and make our meager attempts at giving back to you because we realize that you are the perfect giver of all gifts. Thank you so much for allowing us at your mercy seat. Thank you for receiving our gifts. Thank you for receiving us. We ask you to touch our lives this week as we encounter those around us and be aware to give reason for the hope that is in us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
several generations worshiping together today and it's such a joy to be able to see that happen and we've had that opportunity we have a little bit more opportunity still to come and I want to challenge you as we hear this next song to realize that Christ is able to meet any need that you have in your life in a few moments I'll come back after a couple of songs and and deliver an invitation for you to respond to and accept Christ into your heart. But I encourage you to listen to the words of this song that challenge us and remind us that no matter what it is, Christ is able. You can come wounded. You can come weak. You can come needing salvation. You can come needing marriages restored. You can come needing provision for your life. But Christ is able. He is able. Be blessed by the words of this song. Come ye sinners for and me. Come, you lost a 
brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Amen. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Amen. Amen.
no matter which of the six generations you come from, you have a father. The same father loves us all. We've gotten to sing about our father, our savior, our master, our Lord today. It's been wonderful to worship and to sing, but I want to remind you this morning that the faith is not about singing. It's about true and deep commitment. And that commitment begins first with a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That simply means that you realize that you are a sinner, that you need Him to take and cover the sins of your life, to forgive them with His blood that was shed on the cross, so that you may enter into His presence. It means that you get out of the driver's seat of your life and allow Him to get into the driver's seat, that you take your seat off of the throne of your life and allow God to sit on that throne. And you know, every single person needs that. The Bible is clear that there is no one righteous on his own, not even one. No one. For as Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we want a king on our lives, then we need a true king on the throne of our lives. Not ourselves. We need the one who is the one true and glorious king. We also need to not be looking for a king who misses the mark when there's a goal to be set or a standard to be reached where we always fall, fall far short. He is the one who meets the mark. And that's who we need in our lives. You see, without him, we're in a lot of trouble. For scripture says that the wages of sin is death. And yet we're all sinners. So we're in a heap of trouble except that the word continues to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we don't have to get death if we will receive the gift. And scripture tells us we receive the gift by confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. For it's with the heart that you believe, it's with the mouth that you confess. And both are essential. It's not enough to just say, oh, I believe. You must stand before the world and say, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Today in this room, there's someone who has yet to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And as we, as we worship and we declare that we have a Father and we, we celebrate that Christ is able to deliver, you go, who is that Father? And can he really deliver? Well, this morning, I encourage you to meet your father for the very first time. I encourage you to come to Christ who is able to deliver you first from your sin and then from all those other things that you struggle with because he is there to grant every need, that, to supply every need that you have. In a few moments, we're going to have a, a time of invitation and I'm going to invite you to come and and you say, well, how do I know if, if God's calling me? You know. That word that's in your heart right now that says you need what the pastor's talking about. You need to accept Jesus as your Savior. That little stirring inside you, that's the Holy Spirit saying he's talking to you. There are a lot of believers in this room, but not all of us are believers. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to some of us to receive Jesus as our Savior today. 
You see, the faith isn't only a commitment to accept Jesus as our Lord and to have a, a new king on the throne of our lives. The faith is also a commitment to a local church. Because once you have Jesus in your life, then you should want to serve the church that he has created or serve him through the church. Now certainly the first commitment is the, the main one, that you have Jesus in your heart. But that commitment should pour into a local body of believers because the church provides a place where you can live out your salvation, where you're held accountable, where you have means of ministry, where you can participate in corporate worship together, where your, your spiritual gifts can be, be developed and used to advance the kingdom of God. And there's some in this room today who you've been visiting and you feel the Lord leading you to unite with our church family. And I encourage you today to make this church your church home. Don't come just because you like the music. Don't come because you like some ministry or the preaching or any of that kind of stuff. Come because God leads you. That's why you need to be here. For our invitation song today, I asked Chris to use a certain song. It's not part of the uh, collection of songs that the choir's been learning, but it's an invitation song we've used before that says, Give Us Clean Hands. And I selected it because it's based out of Psalm 24, 1 through 6, which says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. God, let us be a generation that seeks your face will be our prayer of commitment during this time of invitation. And there's a little bit of a twofold nuance when we say generation. There is the idea of, Lord, help my generation, the GIs or the, the silent or the boomers or the XYs or Zs to be a generation that seeks your face. But there's also the prayer that God, may our generation, this generation of believers, specifically this generation of First Baptist Church Pineville, may we be a generation that seeks your face. A hundred years from now, if the Lord tarries, when people look back at the second decade of the 21st century in the history log of First Baptist Church Pineville, what kind of generation of believers will they find here? Will they see a faithful generation that, that sought the Lord, that, that served Him, that, that advanced the kingdom? Or will they see a generation that just kind of went through life? I pray that they see a faithful generation. That the testimony of our faith a hundred years from now will be something that will inspire our great-great-grandchildren on to serve the Lord in whatever kind of world there is in that day. Our commitment is that as the generations of First Baptist Church Pineville and the generation of First Baptist Church Pineville, that God will give us clean hands. That we will not bow our hearts to any other idol. That nothing will get in the way of our service and worship to God. That we will serve Him with clean hands and a pure heart. Father, speak to our hearts this morning as we do business with you. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Help us not lift our souls to an idol.
for those who need to respond in faith, we pray that they will be able to step forward and take me by the hand and say, Pastor, I want to know how to trust Jesus as my Savior. For those who need to come be a part of the church, I pray that they would step forward. May we see you move today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand and sing this song of commitment, may it be our, our matter of response this morning as we worship.
you take. I confused Danny. If you take out your blue card that was mentioned at the beginning of the service, our ushers are going to come to the front to collect those. If you're in the outer sections, if you'll pass them to the middle, and middle section to the right, and they're being collected in the balcony as well. I just want to remind you that this evening we won't have evening worship service, but that doesn't mean nothing is happening today. The, the widows are having lunch. Uh, the Diamond Divas that they're call, calling themselves are having lunch. Our health ministry is happening right after this service. Our children have an activity, and all of those details are in your bulletin, so make sure you read that. Then later in the week, the uh, men's prayer breakfast is happening, and also on Thursday night, the Singing Women of Louisiana will be right here, and so that concert's here. The details are in your bulletin for that as well. The one thing that's not in your bulletin is to let you know that starting today, you can order your shirt for the impact day that the pastor talked about uh, earlier this morning, and uh, they'll be out in the foyer. It's $10 for your shirt. And you get free lunch that day, or you can give us $10 for lunch and we'll give you a free shirt. However you want to look at it, that's how that's going to work. Pastor. Church family, it's a joy to be able to introduce to you two new church members. And uh, we've got a, a little bit of a traffic jam up here this morning with all the things. So I'm just going to have them stand where they are, let their deacons know who they are, and we won't be able to do the normal file by uh, after the service this morning, but I just want to introduce them to you this morning. First, we have coming Miss uh, Ernestine Tina Allen. Would you come and join me here, Miss Allen? Uh, Miss Allen is coming on statement, uh, and she wants to be a part of our church family. And uh, Fred Hilburn's going to be here. Deacon Fred, just wave your hand up there so she can see you. And uh, uh, all those who rejoice with me in welcoming Miss Allen to our church family, would you say amen? Amen. amen? amen. And give the Lord a hand for growing our church. Amen. We also have coming Miss Virgie Frank. Miss Virgie, if you'd join me here for just a moment. And uh, Miss Virgie is coming on transfer of letter from a sister church in our area. She wants to serve the Lord here. And I'm going to sign you to David McGraw because he said he needs more, more people to minister to. So he's right up there in the choir as well. And uh, we look forward to serving with Miss Virgie. All those who rejoice with me and welcoming Miss Frank to the church, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand for her being a part of our church family as well. Thank you, ladies. You can have a seat. We're so glad that you're here, and I look forward to doing life with you here at First Baptist. You can go back. <laughs> you can go back to your, your seat or right there, whichever one's most comfortable for you. Uh, the choir's going to lead us in our benediction, but as they prepare to sing, I want to give you a closing scripture with which is going to lead us into this next song and then out of here. The, the song is the last thing. Psalm 79:13 says this, We, your people... The sheep of your pasture will praise you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. So as we stand and sing this great song of the faith, praise him, praise him. May we declare his praise from generation to generation. Oh, 
Yeah. 